0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is among us. Very Reverend Fathers of the consistory, Trustees and delegates of our parishes, our beloved faithful. In the 15th chapter of the Act of Apostles, we read about the very first consul in Jerusalem. Almost 20 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, non-Jewish Gentiles were beginning to flock to the church. This presented a new problem for the Apostles and the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Should they require that the Gentiles observe the Jewish law as well as being baptized as Christians? The first bishop of Jerusalem presided at the consul, the sobor. St. Peter, St. Paul, and the other apostles were there. But it was James, the bishop, who presided over the proceedings. The consul heard the speeches of various clergy and learned men. They heard Simon Peter's story about how he had been And how he had seen the Holy Spirit descend upon Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and his whole household. They heard Paul and Barnabas tell of the great work in Antioch, where the disciples and Gentiles received the gospel with fervent hope and heroic faith, and how God confirmed this faith through many miracles and wonders when Bishop James spoke and it is interesting to pay close attention to how he proclaimed his decision. In a letter written to the Gentiles that was to be delivered by Paul and Barnabas, James wrote the decision of the consul. Listen to what he wrote and listen to what he says. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us being assembled with one accord in the Acts of the Apostles. The decision was to permit the Gentiles to remain Gentiles. They did not have to observe the Jewish law, but they were called on to observe the discipline and the order of the Christian church. This was a new step for the young church. It was doing things like they were never done before, It was being called by the Holy Spirit into a new time with different people in a new set of circumstances. No one knew at that time that in only 20 years the entire city of Jerusalem would lie in ruins and that thousands of people would be crucified by an angry Roman army. No one clearly knew that the church of Jesus Christ was meant to spread like wildfire all over the world into the Gentile nation. Who could have known this in 49 AD at that very first Christian council? All they knew was that they had a problem which caused short tempers and disputation. But in humble obedience, in repentance and prayers, In faithful liturgy and reception of the Holy Eucharist they opened their hearts and their minds to the leading of the Holy Spirit and in one accord they heard the decision and they agreed it is good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Again it is good for the Holy Spirit and to us. Who could know today what will happen in 20 years. There are many guesses and theories, but there is one thing for sure. Things will not be the same. The Holy Spirit is calling us into a new time with different people, into a new set of circumstances. To be sure, there is anti-Christian sentiment growing around the world. And it is even increasing in our own country. The nation is changing. And some look at it as being weak. And not in all ways for the better. It is becoming even more allergic to the traditional Christian gospel. And we forget that and we pass it by. To be sure, there is an anti-Christian sentiment growing around the world. Look at that Roman Catholic bishop, a Christian in the land of Turkey. And he became a martyr, for they beheaded his head only in the past week. A Christian bishop. In the world, there is a deepening gulf between east and west. The Muslim world is becoming more aggressive against Europe and America, and we sleep. They even wanted to put a mosque where the tallest and the most beautiful towers of of the world existed, downtown New York, there they wanted to put, and they still want to put, their mosque. What happened to our church of St. Nicholas? And where is the money for that church? There is no answer here. I don't even know if we'll ever see the St. Nicholas Church in the heart of that area. Then there is infiltration of our borders by people who are not legally coming into our country like our ancestors legally did a hundred years ago. Our children and our youth are under increasingly stronger pressure to reject the morals of their family and the faith of the church. Priests are weak, as well as our deacons and our our members. These are signs of changing times, not for the better. Accordingly, I say to all of you, clergy and laity alike, that we must follow the conciliar example of the First Council of Jerusalem as we gather for the reconvening to conclusion of, of our 21st diocesan s- Council and sobor. We must hear the educated, the well-prepared speeches and come to bear in discussion these two days. There must be no private sequestered black- backroom deals and conversations and are developed by personal agendas. We must instead pray and call upon the Lord in the fullness of faith and humble piety. We must seek the Lord while he is yet to be found and call upon him while he is yet near to us. There must be a brotherhood in the priesthood and true fellowship among the laity. We need the wisdom of each of you. There can be no hidden sub committees, and so forth. And then, together, we will seek the discernment and vision of the Holy Spirit that will lead us toward us as a diocese and as one family. We will value professional opinion, but always let it be said that the discernment of an uneducated faithful heart is better than the advice of a thousand postgraduate consultants. I know for a fact that the projects and programs that look good on paper will fall to disaster if they are not founded upon prayer and faithfulness. You've got to open up your hearts, you, me, and all of us. We must come more to confession and to confess our sins. We need more to taste the body and blood of our Lord. And we need to put our tongue where it should be, except when you come to taste the food of immortality. Your presence as delegates must be founded upon your piety, again, upon your piety and mine. You must pray, you must read the scriptures, you must receive the sacraments of confession and communion. You must open and be open and humble, positive-minded, and willing to give your best. I am thankful that the Lord God has brought us together for these purposes. To hear you sing so beautifully the Divine Liturgy this morning so far. To hear your voices sounding like thunder. We want to work harder to increase the membership of our diocese there are many people in our towns and cities who need the gospel and who do not belong to any church who could belong to our churches there's a lack of evangelization there is a laziness on our parts not to get out there and find those who are in the streets and are coming into our doors like they do here on saturday for vespers and how many of them have come to the orthodox church through us here in this cathedral And how many of them are in the 9 o'clock liturgy, Sunday after Sunday, and all new people, never known to us except by the gift of God. There are many people in our towns and cities who need the gospel, who do not belong to any church, who could belong to our churches. There are some who still throw 50 cents or a dollar in the basket. Remember what happened in the scripture before with the husband and the wife? They were, they were struck dead in the Acts of the Apostles. There are some, yes, who have fallen away and will never return. That is their decision, and that is what they're to answer God for. But there are many, many more who are waiting for us to go into the byways and the highways and and into the marketplace and to fervently reach out and share the orthodox good news of the saving gospel. Stop sitting at home. And so let us pray and unite with one another in Christian fellowship. Let us be true to one another and honor our friendship. Let us put forward the best gifts that we have and live out our love for our church and for our diocese. The Holy Trinity is calling us into a new generation. I'd like to know how many of you besides myself have answered, Lord, when he calls to us, the Lord calls us and we have to answer him, he said, we would say, Lord, do what you want with us. We are surrendering ourselves to the workings of the Holy Spirit. If you don't answer, it is your sin. The Holy Trinity is calling us into a new generation. And let us listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that we also can say, just like the members of the First council of the Church after they had met together, it seems good to us, and it seems good to the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.